Welcome, podcast listeners. We have a fantastic episode for you today. Last year, when we published The Best Investment Writing, Volume 2, we offered authors the opportunity to record an audio version of their chapter to be released as a segment of the podcast. And listeners loved it. This year, we're bringing you the entire volume of The Best Investment Writing, Volume 3, in podcast format. You'll hear from some of the most respected money managers and investment researchers all over the world. Enough from me. Let's get to our guests and let them take over this special episode. Hi, this is Paul Novell. I'm the co-founder and president of Investing for a Living. Investing for a Living is the name of my personal blog, where I talk mainly about TAA strategies and quantitative investing. I also offer two subscription services, uh, the Economic Pulse newsletter, which is basically a set of TAA strategies that combines trend-following price signals with economic indicators to improve the results of those trend-following signals. And I also run a quantitative individual stock service called Quant Pulse. If you're interested in those, please check out the blog at investingforaliving.us. So today I'm going to read to you a piece called When Models Fail. So let's dive right in. When Models Fail. All models are wrong. Some models are useful. This is one of our main tenants at the Economic Pulse newsletter. We know that our base TAA model, the SPY comp system, will fail. Hopefully not too often, hopefully for not too long, and hopefully not catastrophically. In this post, I will analyze the history of the SPY comp system, its triggers, and its failures. This is true of any active investment model, including all TAA models. An analysis of a TAA model's failures and successes is something I would like to see discussed more in the literature. I think it would help investors set expectations on real-time month-to-month performance and the actual month-to-month workings of the models, as opposed to only looking at long-term results. Performance and return distribution. Let's start out by baselining performance. Table 1 shows the performance of various TAA portfolios. The green ones are the portfolios in the Economic Pulse newsletter that are based on the SPY comp risk-on, risk-off indicator that I will discuss in this paper. And you can see in table one, the portfolios EM comp, World Factor comp, 4, DM comp, and SPY comp are the portfolios in the Economic Pulse newsletter compared against other TAA portfolios and a couple of other buy and hold portfolios like 60-40 and risk parity and the permanent portfolio. And in general, like the other TAA portfolios, the Economic Pulse newsletter portfolios do very well and in general offer a little bit higher performance than some of the other TAA models, but generally in the same ballpark. So overall, great results. Like other TAA strategies, you get higher performance with lower risk. But to get a better picture of what it's like to live with these portfolios on a month-to-month basis, I find it useful to look at the distribution of monthly returns, in particular downside returns. I think it gives you a better feel for the tail risk or maximum pain point for portfolios. So in table two, you'll see summary statistics on the monthly returns for two of the portfolios, SPY comp and DM comp versus various benchmarks. So if you look down at the second part of the table where I use the percentage numbers, I have the distribution of monthly returns, basically the average return, the standard deviation, and the number of months in percentage terms that returns were less than zero, less than 2.5%, less than 5%, less than 10%. As you can see, the TAA portfolios, SPY comp, DM comp, and I use Antonacci's gem also as the other TAA portfolio, compare very well, actually are way better than the buy and hold portfolios like SPY only, 
60-40 or just a 50-50 split between SPY and VEA, the International Stock Index. So in general, you see the number of months with negative returns less than zero are significantly less than the buy and hold portfolios. So that's one of the big advantages of TAA strategies. So even if TAA did not increase returns, this reduction in the downside risk would be a huge benefit. But on top of that, TAA portfolios increase results as well. However, the benefits of TAA models or any active management system do not come at zero cost. So in this next section, we're going to look at an example of model failures using the SPY comp system as an example. But first, let's define what failure means. I'm going to go look at it in three ways. I'll start with the most obvious. Since one of the premises of any TAA system is to avoid big drawdowns, which are the biggest during recessions, let's look at how well SPY comp catches recessions. So since 1971, the SPY comp system has caught every recession before a significant market downturn, i.e. no false negatives. That's fantastic. But that isn't very difficult to do if you're just fitting to historical data. Therefore, out-of-sample testing should be done with the same basic system. That is, I fitted a shorter time period, 1971 through 2002, for example, to see if the system would pick up the subsequent and out-of-sample recession, 2007. It did. That makes you feel a little better that you're working with a reasonable model. The next question becomes, how many times did the system trigger outside of a recession? That is called a false positive. Since 1971, there have been six recessions, but the ASPY comp system triggered 31 times outside of recessionary periods. That's a lot, and it's one of the costs of an active system. But we're investors, not academic economists. What we care about is making money and the avoidance of large drawdowns. We need to look at the system in terms of that. In other words, did those triggers hurt us? So let's define success as avoiding all monthly market drawdowns of more than 10%. I think that's pretty reasonable. How did SPY comp do relative to this market-based measure of success? Well, since 1971, there have been 13 periods of varying lengths with market drawdowns in excess of 10%. The SPY comp system caught everyone, again, no false negatives. More importantly, the system only had five periods with drawdowns in excess of 10%. That compares to 13, for example, for the buy and hold SPY strategy. Even with a conservative 60-40 US stock bond buy and hold system, there were seven periods with drawdowns in excess of 10%. But the system also triggered 18 more times outside of those periods. So let's take a look at the consequences of those false positives. Given our definition of success and failure, our system made 18 mistakes in the last 46 years. That's an error rate of 3%. In other words, given that it could have triggered in any given month over that 46-year period, only 3% of the time did SPY comp trigger incorrectly. Nonetheless, these are true potential money-losing mistakes. How did the system suffer during these mistakes? We can measure the consequences of this mistake or false positive in two basic ways. Number one, whether or not the mistake caused the system to fall behind the SPY index. Number two, whether or not the mistake made or lost money in absolute terms. In 12 out of the 18 mistakes, the system fell behind the buy and hold investment in the S&P 500. In the other six instances, it was head of the S&P 500. 
In the 12 instances that it fell behind the S&P 500, our system lost money four times. The other eight instances, while falling behind a simple buy and hold, you still made money. The maximum loss in the four money losing instances was less than 2%. It is important to point out that a mistake slash false positive in this situation is a switch to an investment in U.S. intermediate government bonds for a minimum of one month. This is not an extremely risky or volatile asset class, so we should not expect the loss to be very large. And that indeed is the case. Let's look at the recent history for some more concrete and specific examples. Since the end of 2008 recession, the SPY comp indicator has triggered twice. Once in June 2010 for a period of one month, and once in September 2011 for a period of three months. I classified June 2010 as a failure since we were out of the recession and the market was not off more than 10% from its recent high. Despite the failure, the SPY con system outperformed the SPY by 5.9% during this brief period. The September 2011 period was a success. The drop in the market was steep but short-lived. By the end of the period, the SPY comm system was back invested and had fallen behind the SPY by 0.8% over that three-month period. I think these are the kind of triggers most of us can live with. In summary, even when the SPY comm system errs and falls behind a reasonable benchmark, at some point in time, the performance is still well within an acceptable range. I have found this to be true of most TAA models. That is exactly the type of performance we're striving to achieve with the TAA system as it makes it much easier to stay with an investment system when even during bad periods, its performance is still pretty good. So let's summarize the analysis of system errors. So the system period 1971 to 2016, so it's 46 years, 552 months, a total of 37 trigger periods of varying length from one month to 17 months. The system is invested in risk assets 68% of the time and 32% of the time in risk-off assets. Six recessions caught all six, no false negatives. 31 triggers outside of a recession. 13 trigger periods with drawdowns of greater than 10% caught all 13. 18 triggers during periods that the market drawdowns were less than 10%, i.e. a mistake. In 12 of those 18 mistakes, the system fell behind SPY buy and hold. The worst case deviation from the index was 7.6%. Only four of the mistakes actually lost money. The worst case loss was less than 2%. The key takeaway is that historically the system only triggered incorrectly 3% of the time and only lost money 1% of the time. The SPY comp system has historically kept the mistakes small and as is obvious from the overall positive returns and low drawdowns shown in the first table, the successes far outweigh the mistakes. This is true for most TAA models. The point becomes clear by examining the base rates of the investment systems, which I show in Table 3. Base rates tell you how often the methodologies have beaten their benchmarks over various periods of time. It's a good indication of how hard the methodologies are to stick to. For example, if the system you're using is behind its index 80% of the time over a rolling three-year period, even if it outperforms its index 100% of the time over a rolling 20-year period, who cares? The chances of 99.9% .9 of us sticking to such a system for 20 years is practically zero. The table below shows base rates for both SPY comp and DM comp over one-year, three-year, and five-year periods. 
In 85% of rolling 12-month periods, SPY comp, 62% for DM comp, outperformance benchmark. That increases to 91%, 83% respectively for SPY comp and DM comp over a rolling 36-month period. Most of us can stick with a system that has that level of performance. Jake at Economic Pig Data has a great post that you can refer to on the behavioral and performance benefits of TAA covering this topic and the current state of trend following versus buy and hold. The real costs of making mistakes. There are two costs to making a mistake, two real costs. The first is not making money in the short term versus your benchmark and on an absolute basis. That is undesirable, in particular if it happens for an extended period, but every investment system experiences this. There is no system that beats a passive benchmark all of the time. Think of it this way. If a system beats its benchmark all of the time, its outperformance would be quickly arbitraged away. Why? Because when an outcome becomes predictable, i.e. there's no variation associated with it, then everyone adopts it. But not making money or falling behind the benchmark in the short term isn't the biggest cost to investors that to adopt a TAA approach. Since as the data demonstrate, in the long run you make money and experience lower drawdowns using a TAA model like the SPYCOM system. The real cost is the impact on your behavior. When a system mistake causes you to fall behind a buy and hold approach, there's a tendency to abandon the system and chase performance. And then you're bound to lose money both in the short and the long term since you're bending the system at the worst possible time. Fortunately, as we've just shown, TAA models like SPYComp and the DMComp methodologies historically have not fallen behind their respective benchmarks very far and have not stayed behind very long. As a matter of fact, in any rolling 12 months, the methodologies have historically beat their benchmarks a large majority of the time. And over rolling 36 months, they've come out ahead more than 90% or 80% of the time. This is a system that most of us can stick with. In summary, TA models work really well over the long term as shown by their great returns and lower drawdowns, but they're not perfect. They do suffer from periods of underperformance, what I have classified here as a mistake, a model error. I think more systematic analysis of model errors would help investors make decisions on TA models and also help set expectations as how historical periods of underperformance have turned out. As I have shown here, TAA models like SPY comp have few and short-lived errors. Of course, then we need to look at the other side of the coin, when models win. The successes of the models drive the outperformance over buy and hold portfolios. I'll turn to that in my next post. <music>